So, if you've ever wanted a space with feminist thoughts and news from all across Africa, then this is the space for you. I get to talk to amazing black women from all over the world and speak on some of those core issues we don't quite get to unpack in most public spaces. Here, we speak on what it means to be a superwoman, learn about consent, finding pleasure within our own bodies, wink, wink, get empowered with Donna so we get our finances right, all while discovering amazing African minds. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and like, and take this Afro-feminist journey with me. Today's guests are some of the very, very first people who jumped on this opportunity when this was just an idea in my head. And together you have Mrs. CJ, well actually Madame CJ the third, aka CJ from the Bay Area. Coming to us all the way from the States um, with her sisters, Micah and Tamil, and Tanaya, who is from Botswana. And this episode was really brought about by CJ and the Roots Collective at the Roots Collective as they brought about the superwoman schema, you know, this idea that as black women, we always have to be strong. And I tell you, talking to these ladies, especially Tamil, she's an amazing writer, healer, activist. Hearing from her really brings you this new perspective that makes you deep down and think. And these are women I really, really urge you to go follow, to think about, to listen to, and dive deep into what they're talking about, especially when it comes to the environment and taking care of the environment and stuff. But anyway, so this episode is really brought to you by this amazing cast of women, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to today's episode. So we're going to be actually talking about the superwoman schema. This is sort of the idea of, you know, you can do it all and you have to do it all as a woman. And it was probably brought to you by the Roots Collective, an idea by CJ. And so basically, the Superman Schema is stated that children learn about male and female roles from the culture in which they live in. So I wanted to ask you, coming up with this idea, what was it about your own upbringing and your lived experience? that made you think about the superwoman female? Well, for me, um, I, I grew up in a family in, from East Oakland that the black women in the family were the, always the backbone. Um, it was a family based around the leadership of black single working mothers. So I think we all know a black single working mother and we know that sometimes they're painted as a superwoman. I always grew up looking up to my grandma, my auntie, and my mom, like, wow, three jobs, two or three kids, paying other people's bills. You know, that's so, I used to think of it as, like, strength and inspiring. And then now that I'm older, like, even this past Mother's Day, I was the only woman in my family that didn't have a child. And so I was the one who was, like, setting up the table, cooking and cleaning on Mother's Day. It's like, why can't men step up a little bit more? Um, I think I'm going off on a tangent, but basically, like, we're always, seem, we're always painted to seem like we can do it all. And it's true that, to me, the Black woman is God. And to me, the first being on this earth is a Black woman. But that doesn't mean that, like, like we have to wear ourselves thin all the time. 
and ex- please excuse my voice on this podcast. Like I've been protesting the police murder of my brothers and sisters like the past few weeks and like my voice is just not where it's at right now. Yeah, we understand. And feel free to go off and attend it. I think that's what's so important about having platforms like this. We've been quiet for way too long and we've been taking it. And, you know, like you mentioned, as black women, we get to just do everything with a smile on our face and sort of just take the world on our chin. Which brings me to my next question um, at Kayla. I just wanted to know, like, in your own life, how have you experienced this? Especially during this time, as you're talking about the protests, sometimes the girls that um, lose their lives when it comes to police brutality, their voices or their names aren't actually said in the media and their stories aren't covered half as much. But most of the women I know are the ones who are at the forefront of these protests, they're organizing and they're the ones we're usually leading and sort of speaking out about these cases. So what would you say about the super and steamer in that area and how we can have women's names said more as well and our voices and stories as well told? Mm, I think personally, um, a lot like CJ, I've definitely seen this a lot in my own life. Like I was raised by a single mother and my grandmother. Um, And I don't think I even saw like my mother or my grandmother cry until I was in high school. And I was just like, well, like, why are you crying? Like, you don't have feelings, you know? And it was just um, because I just thought that they were so strong. Um, Like, I really did think that they were super women. And I think that in this protest that is going on right now, and in a lot of the ones that have been going on before, um, women definitely lead. They definitely are planning. And you see a lot of the the calls and responses and the things that get the crowd going. It's women. You see a lot of the speakers that are up there that, that really evoke emotions with the crowds are speakers. And two, I think that something that we can do to um, to change the narrative so that we are saying these black women's names and these black trans women and the, the black women who haven't had the justice that we're calling for, for a lot of black men um, and, and more than just one black woman's name. I think we first have to start to recognize that black women show up all the time. And I think that we we recognize that as as a whole community when it's convenient like I think a lot of people recognize like oh single black mothers they're really strong and things like that and they recognize the superwoman schema black business owners mm -hmm, they recognize it when it's convenient but I think that we have to start talking about the fact that a lot of the the leaders who worked with you know Kwame Nkrumah and Martin Luther King and and a lot of different people who who really drove movements right. were black women and their names aren't said and so I think when we start saying these these movement leading powerful women's names that really transcends all the dynamics of our daily life because we always hear these black men's names as martyrs and things as such so it's so much easier to to say this this man's name because that's what we know. And so we have to start recognizing our black women, which 
I think this platform is definitely um, a great start because black women are mobilizing and they never stop mobilizing for their family, for, for the cause, for everything. So I think that's where it starts. In your own lives, do you have any specific um, black women in particular that are influences or that you look up to that you'd like to highlight? I'm sorry, can you say that again? In your own personal life, do you have any black women and people that you would like to highlight that have influenced your own life and have been a part of these struggles? Mm. Um, first and foremost, my grandmother and my great aunties, my mother, um, the black women who who put me on this earth, quite frankly, and the black women who did take on those those schemas so that I wouldn't have to from a young age. Um, I, I think that, that those are the black women that, that I want to highlight and speak life into, for sure. All right, so for Tanaye, aka Eco Girl Zim, um, having grown in grown up in Africa in Zimbabwe and Botswana, I wanted to ask for you, how has this affected your life and have you had to fight it or fight against it in any way? Okay, so mostly I've had to contrast a lot with my mom because she was always telling me what is expected of a woman and from a young age I had to do so many of the things like chores I had to do all these chores that my brothers were doing so I had to fight to literally just be like why why do I have to because I didn't agree with with that I, I did not think that uh, cleaning or cooking is a gender role I just thought that if everybody's doing chores in the house then we should all be doing the same chores so I literally had to fight to get a bit of equality there and I just figured if I could be changing uh, locks and changing light bulbs in the house as a young girl why can't my brothers cook and clean I definitely agree with that I think I've experienced that in my own life I just wanted to say welcome to Tamiel and thank you for joining us. And I'm going to give you the next question. What do you think about the women can do it all or should do it all complex in connection to you have to have the career, you have to have the baby and the family and you have to sort of find this balance between, you know, being a strong career woman, but still coming home and taking care of the family and doing all the cooking and cleaning and, everything sort of that comes with that? Well, I think one of the first things that that ideology does is that it, I mean, it, it assumes that we're not people first, that we don't have needs. Um, and I think that that's why a lot of women over time, like they, they crash, they burn out, they, especially when it comes to, you know, the women that we're speaking about, black women, African women, women of color, like we get worked to the point where no one asks us, you know, how are you? 
Do you need anything? You know, no one thinks to say, I appreciate you. I see you. Um, and those are all things that we need to feel like people, to feel like, you know, we matter, but to also validate that in ourselves, like to continue to feed and feed and feed into other people, but to not have anyone feed back into you, that that's disastrous. And um, over time, it creates this idea that we have to hold ourselves, we have to heal ourselves, and we have to heal the world. And that's not our job. Um, our job is to exist. <laughs> our job is to be. Our job is to love and, you know, to love ourselves enough to know that no one is more important than you first. And I think that that ideology even makes us forget that we're important and that we deserve everything that we put out into the world. I definitely love that. It's super powerful and I agree. Like, I can't agree more. What advice would you give to someone like a young woman who's coming up or maybe like, you know, you're in your 20s, you're turning 25, 26, there's not that pressure off when you're getting married or having kids and all of that. What advice would you give to someone in that place right now? I would say the number one thing is to find it in yourself to make time for yourself. And then the next thing after that is to make time for yourself. Um, and I made that two separate points, two separate steps, because like, you know, like you mentioned in preparing us for this conversation, the world doesn't prepare us. Um, the world doesn't prepare us to take care of ourselves. The world doesn't even prepare us to think about ourselves and in the ideologies of how we're raised and how we're constructed we don't hold that space in ourselves to even feel like we deserve to make time and space for ourselves. So we have to develop that first and then it becomes a practice of, okay, well, let me take five minutes here to just breathe. Let me take, you know, hour or two here to not indulge in any work or any social activities or even talking to anybody like all of that is important. Even if we feel like the world has something to say or to think about, how we want to make space for ourselves, making that space for ourselves is major and understanding that we deserve and we are important. Damn, that's like the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so thank you. Um, going back to CJ, um, how has this lockdown shifted your life or have you seen sort of more pressure coming on you? Like I was reading the story of a man who forced his wife to quit her job because the kids were now home and he just mm -hmm. couldn't handle taking mm -hmm. care of the children and stuff like that. Kayla, so, does that sound familiar? Shoot. Sorry for interrupting you. That's just very familiar sounding. Um, what happened? Some real stuff happened. But um, I would say, like, do you want to continue your question? You could, or I could just jump right into it because... No, just jump right into it. For sure. Like, ever since I came home, I live in a family house with my grandma, my uncles, my cousin, her son, my mama, and then the other babies be at the house and whatnot. So I'm cooking and cleaning. And not only cleaning, I'm disinfecting. It's COVID. I have people in my home with pre-existing health conditions that make them extremely susceptible to COVID. So I'm disinfecting. I'm wiping stuff down. I'm saging the house. I'm trying to spiritually protect my house. Um, 
I'm praying over the people in my house. I'm hugging them, loving on them, encouraging them. When it comes to the kids and then not being in school, you know, me and my cousin have stepped up as educators. You know, I've been trying to get my family's nutrition on point because we all know food is the first medicine. But I think a big thing that has changed is first things first, like towards the beginning of this lockdown before this, you know, the revolution started, um, I was like, wow, I could actually be a mom. You know, I want to be a mom. I knew I wanted to, but now it's like, oh, wow, I'm actually living with a kid 24-7 and I'm very capable of being a mother. And then as I stepped into that capacity and that capability, my responsibility as in my ability to respond to the issues of domestic terrorism in the United Snakes of America and, you know, police murder of my siblings across the world, it really hit hard that my future depends on defunding and dismantling the police. Like I was at a protest on Friday by Lake Merritt in Oakland, literally screaming my heart out because I knew that my black womb was like impacted, not only by like all the interconnected systems of capitalism, white supremacy, neocolonialism that play into my everyday reality, fighting for and loving on myself as a black woman, but most importantly, like the tear gas that they're throwing at protesters is, it has abortive chemicals in there. Like, you know what I'm saying? They shoot babies down. They gun our babies down. They kill them in a different million ways. They kill them. The school systems look like mini prisons. Like there's so many things to discuss and it's because of my intersectionality and my existence as a black woman um, throughout this historic time that I've realized, you know, my ability to give life is what sustains my ability to protect and fight for life and like all living things everywhere. It's your girl Mandy and you're listening to It's a Feminist Thing. I definitely resonate with that on a very, very, very deep level. Um, wanting to hear from Tanae, has your life been impacted in any way since lockdown started or has it changed and affected you in any way as a woman? Well, um, I've really just been going through a bout of depression because of everything that's happening um, in America, everything happening in Zimbabwe. Just a lot of things have really been upsetting. And, you know, even the femicides and the terror on women in politics happening, it's, it's all been very depressing. But on the flip side, I've been focusing more on the things that I want to achieve and just kind of like structuring my goals and aligning towards my purpose. And for Kayla, I just wanted to ask like, for you, as you guys are building the Roots Collective, what are your goals? What are you guys trying to achieve? And Basically, how can people get involved? How can they help? That type of thing. Great. So um, what we're working towards and what we're trying to achieve is really just environmental liberation. Like we're really just trying to honor the ocean um, and honor it 
in ways that our ancestors will be proud of because our ancestors were honoring the ocean. And so I think we're looking towards black liberation, liberation of the ocean, liberation of the environment, um, and, and just really uplifting a restoration of connectedness of black people everywhere. Because I think that with, with environmental justice, like you, you have to have liberation and you have to have mental justice. And to do that, you, you really have to have a connection to your family and to your roots. And I think that black people everywhere need that connection. And so that's, that's pretty much what we're going for and, and to uplift women and to uplift the LGBT community and all of the underserved communities within the the African diaspora. Um, so how people can get involved is they can follow us on Instagram at Roots Collective Ghana. Um, pretty soon we will be launching our first line of products that we made out of repurposed water sachets and they can they can buy those if they want to support us monetarily um yeah roots collective gh sorry not roots collective ghana um yeah if they want to support us monetarily they can they can buy those pretty soon we'll be launching our website they can tune in um we we will hopefully be having more discussions like these and discussions on our lives to um just connect with the community, they can tune into that. And right now, when everything is virtual and online, I think that, that really connecting with us on IG is probably the best way. And if, they, and if people wanna talk about how they can help the environment intersectionally, and um, if they wanna talk about anti-racist environmentalism and indigenous environmentalism like we're always down if they want to talk about anti-patriarchal environmentalism like we're we're so here for it pro-black environmentalism um so yeah follow us at roots collective gh horses chills And also, uh, Tammy, I wanted to know if you've got anything to add, anything you want people to know. Um, I really just want to say that I'm grateful for this space and I'm grateful to be in a world where all of these amazing minds are working individually and together to really build towards a bigger picture. And I'm really glad that y'all see a bigger picture And I think that that's something that's essential or central to being a black woman anyways, but just to see that y'all have tapped into that power, like I want to acknowledge y'all and I want to send y'all love just for doing the work. It's so real. Like right now (laughs) in the revolution, it's like, it's hard to have trust. Like I've lost real friends over the past week because we all have different ways of showing up. But I think consistently across centuries, black women have been the visionaries of society, like literally manifesting a better world. And I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys taking out the time to have this conversation and to do the environmental movements that you're all collectively doing. 
for tonight. Do you want to talk a little bit about eco-girlism and what you're doing in terms of that and exactly what you're trying to achieve? Okay, so um, I feel that um, the eco, well, e environment, intersectional environmentalism is, is something that I'm very passionate about. And it's not just about uh, the environmental space, it's about all the things that affect us in society. So I'm trying to educate people on that and also just live and, and lead by example. Because I've been feeling like there isn't a lot of um, people who are focusing on these kind of things where I am in Botswana and in Zimbabwe. So, yeah. And I also have a podcast called All Things Eco that's available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts, where I'm talking about um, just day-to-day -day tips, things that people can do things you can change, small things you can change to your everyday routine that will make all the difference. Because the biggest impact, I believe, is it comes from small collective acts. So I really do believe that if we tackle environmental issues at a personal level, it will have the biggest repercussions. And you can follow me on Instagram, EcoGirlZim, or follow my podcast. Thank all right. Um, thank you all so, 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 so much. I'm looking forward to having even more conversations and following you guys as we grow in your separate capacities and as we grow together. Because I think there's something super powerful when we come together and have conversations like this because we definitely need more spaces. And I can't stress that enough. But yeah, thank you guys for joining me and I hope you had a great time because I did add such an amazing time. Thank you again for listening and I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please like, subscribe, share and tell a friend to tell a friend. We're really looking for more women to interview from all around Africa and all around the world. Especially if you're a woman of colour, we're all about amplifying. So please, please fill in the form below and we'll be in touch with you for one follow-up episodes or for a feature on our blog. This is a feminist thing.